Welcome to the Money Shop Podcast, episode number four. Today we're talking about net worth statements, what they are, why you should bother doing them, and how you actually go about doing it. So let's do this. You're listening to the Money Shop Podcast with your host, Damien Fogg, making personal finance and investing easy to understand, less intimidating, and even bordering on fun. A net worth statement sounds pretty fancy, doesn't it? All it really means is, what are you worth today? And by that, it includes things like, what assets have you got? What liabilities have you got? You kind of take those away from each other to give you a net worth, hence the fucking name. But also, we look at your incomings and outgoings. So it's it's a real snapshot of your financial situation as of today, as of right this very minute, or whenever it is you do it. That's the what. The why? It's entertaining? Or is that just me that thinks that? Nah, the why we do it is, why do we track anything? What's the statement, phrase, whatever it is? What gets measured, gets managed? It's a bit like if you were trying to lose weight and you never bothered stepping on a scale. I'm sure there's probably a shitload of fit pros that think that a great idea. But for most people, you want to know where you are right now so that you can measure your success or failure by a number going forward. People who lift weights, if your PB in the deadlift is 150 kilos, you want to record that somewhere so you can see you're getting better. It's the same thing with finances. You want to record what what's the incomings you've got now, how much you're spending each month, what assets do you own, and how much debt do you have. That gives you a very good picture of where you are right now, and then in future, you can look at how you've improved that or where you've slipped a little bit. So that's the only reason why we do it. Now the how, that's the fun bit. That's what we're going to be covering in today's podcast. So strap in. If you want to do this, play along. I don't know how you're going to do that, but it seemed like the right thing to say at the time. All you're going to need for this is access to all of your bank statements and shit like that. Mostly they're all online nowadays, so it should be fairly straightforward. When I'm doing my own net worth statements, I do them on a monthly basis because I'm a proper gimp but it probably takes me about 15 minutes now because I've just got a list of everything I need. So which websites I need to go to, what the login details are for them. And you just bang through them all and just put the information down and it just figures it all out for you. It's dead straightforward. So to get started, go and make sure you've got access to everything that you've got money in, whether it's savings accounts, current accounts, all that sort of stuff. Now strap in a net worth statements, as I've said, is made up of four key areas. But it's kind of pointless without this fifth and final one. Now, I should probably make up something and call them pillars or quadrants or something like that, but I can't really be asked. So you'll just have to think of four things. Now, your first, fuck it, your first mate, I've now just decided they're all friends. Your first mate is your incomings. Now, we've already talked about that. Most of you can probably figure out what I'm talking about. It's your salary. It's your wage. It's whatever income you make from your business, whether you've got part-time jobs or additional jobs, whether you've got a side hustle, I hate that word, anything like that, anything that brings in money for you. It could be rental income from property. It could be dividends from shares that you own. It could be, I know, profit from a business that you're a part owner of, but you don't work in. 
anything, whatever brings in money to your accounts each month, that's your incomings. So you want to make a note of all of them in a big long list. Maybe you're a prostitute, maybe you're a babysitter or a nanny, whatever it is, just put a list of what the activity is and how much money you get against that. That's all you need to do for the incomings bit. It's usually fairly straightforward because not many of us have 400 different sources of income. So that's a nice simple one. And if you're doing it from a bank statement, bank statements tend to have two columns, one for incoming, one for outgoing. So all you need to do is scan down the incoming section, look at what that payment was, whether it was for a salary, whether it was, I know, Auntie June owed you some money, so she paid that. If that's just a one-off, then fuck it, ignore it. But if it's, you know, your normal salary, but then one month you get a bonus and that's your annual bonus, that's something to measure. So that's something to say, well, okay, I got 12 grand as a bonus that equates to a thousand pounds a month. So record that. The next one we're going to look at is the outgoings. This is a little bit more of a pain in the ass, to be honest, but we're going to go through your standing orders, your direct debits, all of that good stuff, all the shit that you spend money on each month. If you are really lazy and you can't be fucked even remotely, at the top of most bank statements, it will have total incomings, total outgoings. Just use that total outgoings and that'll do you, you lazy bastard. I would recommend you go through all of them and try and figure out what you're spending your money on, but whatever works for you. Now, from a time frame point of view, what you want to be doing is looking back as long as you need to, to get a consistent picture of what your incomings and outgoings might be. So if you have pretty much everything on standing order, if you have a salary that comes in each month, that's the only incomings you've got, then yeah, you probably can get away with looking at one month's worth of bank transactions. If maybe you've got your own business, you're an entrepreneur, you've got maybe side jobs that you do every now and then, maybe you've got seasonal work, then you might have to go back a full 12 months to look at everything you've had going in, everything you've had going out, to be able to come up with a, well, okay, generally, I roughly get this much each month. Now, as entrepreneurs and business owners, we tend to be a little bit over-optimistic sometimes. So don't fall into the trap of thinking, well, last month I made five grand, so I'm just going to assume I always make five grand. If the previous two, three, four months before that, you were getting by with like 1,500 quid, two grand, one grand, three grand, whatever, just try and take an average of maybe three, six months, whatever you think is realistic, that it represents a normal monthly period for your life. So there's no point lying to yourself. No one's potentially going to see this ever. So don't be a dick. Now, the third mate, don't know why I've stuck with mates, but screw it, I'm going with it. Your third mate is the assets section. That is all of the stuff that you own that is either going to provide you with some kind of income or potentially is going to go up in value. Now, I say they're the two criteria, but in reality, even something like your car, which is a shitty investment, but it's worth something. So you might have loans against it, but your car is still worth, let's just say 15 grand. If you have to sell that, you'll get 15 grand. You may then have to go and clear 20 grand as a loan that you've got on the fucker, but it doesn't matter. Right now, we're ignoring any debts you've got against it, and all we're looking at is your assets. So that's going to be things like primary residence, where you live, if you own that one, if you've got any investment property, if you've got any savings, if you've got any cash in your wallet, if you've got any half-decent jewellery or... Uh, what else? Watches, if you've got any fancy wine, investment sort of wine, anything that you've bought, and when you bought it, you thought, oh, this might be a good idea, it might go up in value. 
Now, don't take the piss and don't put things like, oh, well, I bought a CD of Enya back in 1987. Was Enya going then? Whatever. If you think you could sell it and get 50p on eBay, yeah, okay, technically it's an asset, but it's not really worth fucking writing down, is it? So only put stuff in there that is of a decent enough chunk of change for you. So yeah, some people might say, if you're rich, baller as fuck, you might not be bothered about putting a couple of hundred quid here and there. Equally, if that's all of your assets, then yeah, put them down. If you got given, I don't know, a really fancy knife and fork set, cutlery set, that's the word I was looking for. If it's worth, I don't know, 50 quid, 100 quid, if that's the only asset you've got, screw it, put it down. It's a start. So what you're trying to do is ignore any debt you might have against these things, but just list them all out. Anything you can think of that is worth something. The example I used in a group once was, if I turn up outside your house and say, look, we've got to leave the country, you need to find as much money as you can get your hands on, and you've got and a week to do it. What is the stuff that you instantly think, okay, cool, I can sell that, 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 and that, and it will give me a half decent chunk of change. You're not going to spend days, weeks, months trying to sell every single piece of clothing you've got or every button you can find in a drawer. You're going to pick the stuff that's worth the most that you can sell and realize some cash back from. So they're the stuff that should go down in your assets section. Now the final one, liabilities, that is the stuff that you owe to other people. So it can be relatively straightforward. It could be mortgages for people that have got houses. It could be overdrafts. If you've gone into your overdraft, it could be a bank loan that maybe you've taken out. It can be credit card debt. If you've ever got a payday loan out, what the fuck? But it could be that if you were lent some money by some bloke down the pub to get a round in. Technically, yeah, it's a liability, but again, don't take the piss and put absolutely everything down. What a good way of doing this is look at your assets section and see if there are any liabilities attached to any of those assets. So as I said before, maybe you've got a car. Cool. It's worth 20 grand. That was 15 grand, wasn't it? It's just gone up by five grand. Appreciating asset. Well done. But you've got a car, let's just say, that's worth, fuck it, I'm going to say 10 grand now just to mix things up. You've got a 10 grand car, but you've got eight grand worth of debt against it. Okay, cool. The fact that you've just looked at your assets column, remembered you've got a car, well done, but also remembered you've got debt against that, that goes in the liabilities column. So you can see how we're starting to get to this net asset position. And your net asset position could be negative, but we'll find out in a minute. The goal here is to take this snapshot of if you have to sell everything you own, how much money will you get in? But also, if everybody that you owe money to, if they all come to you at the same time and say, by the way, you've got a shitload of cash now, can you give us what you owe us? Then everything will be clear. The idea is obviously to have a positive net worth, so to have more assets than you've got liabilities. But to be honest, for most people's life, when they first start, the first probably, I don't know, 30 odd years, you're probably in a negative position. So I wouldn't overly worry if you play this game, go through all of the different sections, and you end up with a number that you think, ah, shit, I'm supposed to have a positive here, and I've got a massive negative. Don't worry about it. So that, my little pumpkins, is your net worth statement. You've now got a good snapshot of what your incomes, what your incomings are, what your outgoings are, what assets you own, what liabilities you've got, and you can pull all of this together into a big fancy band spreadsheet, and it will spit out a number for you that says your net worth is all of your assets minus all of your liabilities 
it gives you a number. Hopefully it's positive. If it's not, no great shakes. But you now have a starting point. This is your first point of reference for, am I doing well? Am I baller as fuck? Or am I going in the right direction? Or is something seriously starting to go wrong? For me, I check on a monthly basis. Now, yeah, it's partly because I'm a geek, partly because I've got a lot of spare time, and I like doing it. But for me, it's a good way to make sure I'm staying on top of if I see a sudden, well, how come all my expenditure went up this month? It went from, I don't know, four grand a month to now six grand a month. I know instantly within a month to look into it and think, well, okay, why? What was that extra expenditure? Was there any extra income against it? Will there be any extra income against it in future? And at least have that conversation with myself to figure out what's going wrong and what's going right. If my assets and liabilities start to change, hopefully I know about it because I'm the one that's changing them, but it could be that, I don't know, I own some shares and they've suddenly all dropped in value. I want to know about that as soon as I can so I can maybe do something about it. For most people, probably you don't have to do it monthly, but I'd say you want to do it probably every six months. If you're really lazy and you can't be asked, then yeah, okay, fine, do it annually. But really, the point is, it's giving you an insight and a snapshot. And once you've done the first time, the first time is going to be a ball ache. Yeah, sorry about that, but it just is. Once you've done it for the first time, it gets much, much easier. Because all you're doing then is going to whichever website you need to go to, look at the numbers, change them, job done. As I say, you should be able to do that in 10, 15 minutes, 20 minutes at a push. It's really not that big of a deal. Now, what do you do with all of this information? Let's assume the absolute worst case scenario. So you've got low incomings, you've got high outgoings, you haven't got any assets at all, and you've got loads of liabilities. For one, ah, you're a little bit fucked, so we need to fix this. But there's a fairly straightforward plan that we're going to follow. So there are stages of attack here. Level one, we're going to look at reducing your outgoings. Take a real hard look at what you're spending your money on and cut out everything that isn't absolutely necessary for you. If you're really in this worst case scenario, then yeah, sorry about that. Life isn't all sunshine and rainbows. You don't get to get all of the fun stuff. You need to look at it in reality and think, well, shit, I can't afford this stuff right now. So tough. You don't get it. Not to say it's going to be forever, but right now, tough shit. Level two, we're going to look at increasing your incomings. So maybe it's time to get another job. Maybe you need to get a better paid job, ask for a pay rise, start a side business, whatever it might be. You need to do something that is going to bring your income up. So that at the very least, it's covering your outgoings. Ideally, you want it to be creating a surplus. So you've now got some money to save and invest on a monthly basis. Level three in our attack is lowering your liabilities. Now, bit of a fun one, this one. A lot of people in the financial world say, oh, first thing you should do is get rid of all of your debt. Actually, that's not necessarily true. What I personally think you should do is get rid of all of your expensive debt. So if you've got I know, an overdraft or a bank loan or credit card debt, whatever it might be, if you're paying 20% a year, then yeah, shit, that's expensive debt. You should get rid of that as soon as you possibly can. If you've got a mortgage on your own house or an investment property and you're paying 1%, 2% a year interest on it, I wouldn't be in a mad rush to clear that. I'd rather buy more assets than clear that debt. So just take a good look at your liabilities section. Ideally, what you've done is you've put what the liability is, how much it is in financial terms, what you pay on a monthly basis, and what interest rate you're paying. 
and just go down that list and basically clear the most expensive one as fast as you can with the surplus between your incomings and outgoings. Level four, this is a fun one, we get to increase your assets. Once you've gotten rid of all of your expensive debt, you can start looking at saving each month and building up some of your assets. Now initially that might just be some cash savings, bit of a rainy day fund, but once you've got that in place, then you can start looking at shares, maybe eventually looking at buying property, doesn't really matter. The idea is you're buying something, an asset, that is gonna either increase in value or pay you an income on a monthly basis, annual basis, whatever it might be. That's it, there's four fucking levels of attack here. If you're already in the fun position of your incomings are higher than your outgoings, then skip level one and two, just go straight to reducing your liabilities. If you haven't really got any expensive ones, straight to level four, baby. Just buy more assets. So at the start, I talked about the four key areas, mates, I randomly decided to call them at one point, don't know why. But we've looked at them in some detail, how to actually go about creating those four different sections in a spreadsheet. You got your incomings, outgoings, assets, liabilities. So you've gone and done that, happy days. You've figured out what stage of attack you need to be at. So whether you're completely screwed right now, in which case level one, reduce outgoings. Level two, increase incomings. Level three, reduce liabilities, the expensive ones. Level four, increase your assets. Cool. I mentioned that there's a fifth one that you need to figure out as well. This is the fun one. So the fifth one is all about goal setting. We talked earlier about the comparison with like losing weight or lifting weights. Weights are a nice thing with lots of numbers. So let's just say you are trying to hit a certain weight in clean and jerk and snatch. So the two Olympic lifts. You've taken your snapshot, you've done your latest PB, so you know that you can lift whatever it is. You've got your total. What you need though is a goal. So you need to know, I know what's the world record clean and jerk and snatch for my weight category. Now that would be your dream goal, wouldn't it? If you could get a world record, happy fucking days. Maybe though, the one before that might be a pretty fun goal to aim for. So in this case, you'd be, I don't know, maybe looking at whatever your nationality is, GB qualifying standard. Maybe that would be a really good fun level to attain and that goal to set. The one before that though, that might just be having the best lift in your weight category in your gym. So all of a sudden you've got three different levels of goal. You've got your basic level, being the best in the gym that you train at. You've got your fun level, which is pretty freaking impressive. If you were the GB qualifying standard for Olympic lifting, most people would say you're doing pretty well. And then you've got the dream level, which is world record Olympic standard. It's exactly the same for finances. So you're gonna look at your basic level, which all that's covering is your outgoing that give you a reasonable life, not an amazing one, but that would allow you, if you had that income coming in passively, to never have to work if you didn't want to. Your life wouldn't be the best thing in the world ever, but it would be all right and you could survive. That's the basic level. The fun level is probably, possibly, the life you're leading now, hopefully at least, that is quite good fun. It's not absolutely everything you've always dreamed of, but you know, you can take a holiday, you can buy stuff you want when you want it, you've got a car, you've got a house, whatever it might be. So you're happy on a scale of one to 10, you're like a seven, eight, something like that. If that was as good as your life ever got from a financial point of view, you wouldn't be crying into your cereal. 
And then the last one is the dream level where you just get to go batshit crazy and you look at what would be the world's most expensive house that you wanted to rent and what would your life look like? How many holidays do you want to go on a year? How much does each holiday cost? Work it out on a monthly basis. So they're the three goals that you need to set. I always encourage people to go properly batshit on the dream one, but make it realistic. Think about the life you actually want to lead. We could all say, yeah, I want to rent the best house possible in London and one in New York and one in Sydney and one in Bali and one in Singapore, whatever. Are you really going to want to move from all of those places or would you rather have a really nice house somewhere and then just go on really expensive holidays every so often? So just think about, play out your dream scenario, dream life, and then start pricing it up. They're the three levels that you need to set yourself. And straight away, you've now got three financial goals to try and achieve. So you're now, when you're doing your net worth statement, you know what you're trying to get to because you're trying to build up enough assets to bring in first that basic level income requirement, then the fun level income requirement, then the dream level. You might stop before you get to the dream level. You might think, fuck it, I can't be arsed working so much harder to get to the level I need to. Maybe you do. Don't know. Up to you. But at least you have a line in the sand that you're aiming for. Without that fifth one, I think a lot of people just chase money for the sake of chasing money with no real end in sight. I know a lot of people, older people than me, that have done that and frankly get a little bit depressed by it because there's always someone richer. So just trying to be the richest person you know is never a good idea. Trying to buy absolutely everything. Well, yeah, there's always a more expensive car, more, more expensive house. So that's a bit of a stupid plan. If you can set yourself up three different variations of life that you want to live, that's, to me, makes much more sense anyway. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you've got a different opinion, which is do what you like. But that's what I would suggest. So, as I say, that is your net worth statement. That's what it is. That's why you should be doing it. And that's how you actually do it. As I say, I reckon you should do it probably once a month if you're a proper geek, once a quarter if you're a normal human, once every six months if you're a bit lazy, and once a year if you're bone idle. Honestly, if you're doing it once a year, it will be such a pain in the ass that you probably won't do it the second year anyway. So, just don't bother. But every time that you do it, you're going to look at them, you're going to look at the numbers, see how they've improved, decreased, increased, whatever. And that will give you an idea of what area you should be focusing on next. Maybe you can look at your stages of attack and which level are you at next? Have you moved on from, I no, no longer need to reduce my outgoings or I can't reduce my outgoings anymore. So what I need to do is increase my incomings. So it's just a, personally, I think it's a very helpful goal, smart, if you want, orientated way of looking at finances and giving you something to aim for that is, to be honest, quite straightforward to produce but quite meaningful when you can look at the whole picture of you as a financial individual. So do that, have fun, and hopefully you've got a really big impressive number in your assets column. If not, let's work on it. Doodle pip. So you just survived and hopefully enjoyed the money shot from Damien Fogg. If you just can't help yourself and you want even more, head over to the epinvestor.com forward slash podcast for the show notes, links to whatever shit he just talked about in this episode, possibly some exclusive content about cool finance stuff, and even maybe a free pony. 